Good evening, Patriots. And it is Tuesday, December 27th. East Coast just cruised into Wednesday. We kind of keep the week moving. It's going to be, it's a fast moving week, surprisingly. And a good weekend, hopefully, for everybody. I was just watching parts of Gladiator, which we're going to talk a little bit about in a minute, which is kind of interesting. Before we begin, make sure you're doing everything you can to protect your wealth. That's a real challenge right now with everything going on, and they want to destroy it. So we have Birch Gold to help everyone through. Patriots, will the lack of red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden? More wasteful government spending? Higher taxes? A deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer? By diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text BARDS to 989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Birch Gold has almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Text BARDS to 989898 and claim your free no-obligation info kit now. Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Text BARDS to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. As texting BARDS to 989898, you'll be good with that. I'm going to start tonight with 1 Peter 4. Actually, 1 Peter 4.12 is where we're going to start. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the suffering of Christ, keep in the rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. Even if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. These are challenging times. Those words seem very poignant in a point when so much of us, so much of our world is just literally unraveling in the most crazy of ways and not good ways in many ways. A lot of loss and a lot of suffering. We're going to have to reset ourselves in a foundation of righteousness. And that's not, that's an easily said word and not an easily done action. And in righteousness, 
And there's a lot of interpretations of righteousness. I'm going to give you some perspectives on righteousness tonight. In righteousness, we're going to have to find repentance through Christ for the things we've done and to live truly within the framework of God's moral law. We also have to understand those lines that we're not willing to cross because that leads us ultimately to choice. And there's a choice that we have to make between the sword of the spirit and the sword of steel. And that's the world we currently live in. And those choices are not going to be clear. For right now, they pretty much are. But there is going to be a constant pressure and decision that we're going to have to make. I personally feel that as we we set ourselves truly in a power of righteousness and we're walking within that wisdom of God, it will become very clear at those lines that of the, between the sword of steel and the sword of spirit. And it's not just the sword of the spirit all the time. There is some evil that's going on in this world that we're turning our backs to too often. And unfortunately, we have lost a system that has any form of justice anymore. And so without justice, you don't have accountability. And we're seeing this. We see it in this whole inst- issues that are going on in Buffalo. In the midst of a blizzard storm, people are ransacking stores and looting. People are, there's a video of some guys finding a, a homeless guy frozen dead on the ground. And they're, they're, they're just really almost mocking it and laughing it, at it. This is the loss of a moral base in our nation that has no empathy or no consideration for life. And that's perpetuated by the abortions that are done in mainstream now that we just accept as part of choice. It's accepted in the, and it's demonstrated in the lack of outrage, collective outrage, that there would be any sort of teachings in our schools that would expose the children to this horrific pedophilia and LGBTQ debauchery and debased lifestyle. And there is not a collective outrage. There is a a disempowerment, in fact, that's happened. And at the sense of that, there's no righteousness. We hear people speak about righteousness, but it's like, okay, but as, and I'm not talking about individuals. As a collective nation, we have lost any form of collective righteousness. Instead, we've accepted this, this lie that anything is acceptable. It's horrific. And with that, we're going to see, unfortunately, a lot of consequence of that type of world where the lack of relationship with the Holy Spirit and deep in the relationship with Christ is going to lead to some very dark outcomes. When a nation moves away from their relationship with God, bad things happen. And we're seeing bad things happen. And that's putting the burden on us. I mentioned this in the previous show. The idea of these retirement accounts, one of which I was speaking on particularly, which is PERS, which happens to be the one in Oregon. And I don't know if PERS goes to other states, but I know in Oregon it's PERS. And that's a taxpayer-funded retirement account. And it's a complete, you see the worst of people through this system. They believe they're entitled They believe that because they worked as a teacher, they see their life as very difficult because they had to work for nine months out of the year and not work in three, but they get paid for 12. 
they see their life as very test, very trying because they have to deal with young developing minds. And even more trying is they have to convince and brainwash these kids to think that their gender is wrong and that they should embrace homosexuality and whatever else they want to do. This is very tough. They have to confuse the children about truth. They have to make the children feel guilty about being of a particular race. And they have to work overtime at trying to deprogram the child from good Christian values at home to make sure that they embrace the sort of things that will open them up to being groomed to be a rape victim willfully, or they'll be idolizing men as young boys or women as young girls so that they'll be exploited sexually. This is tough work for a teacher. It's hard work to do that. It's hard work to to have to push Satan's agenda in the face of a, a good Christian base. And even if they don't have a solid Christian base in the home, most families aren't satanic. It's hard to convince ch- children to go and, and get them excited about going to watch men dressed as women grinding on each other in sexually uh, sexual positions and saying that that's okay, that's just acting. And it's hard to get children excited about dressing up and drag themselves and then doing shows from other men so they can get money stuffed into their underpants. Yeah, that's, that's a tough job for a teacher. And so naturally you'd be, you would understand why they get upset when their retirement accounts, which are paid for by the taxpayers and insured to a point that they are guaranteed an 8% return on their money. They get upset if that comes in threat and they make a lot of noise and they, they make a lot of public outrage that somehow they're having something taken from them that they've earned. Yeah, that's, that's our teaching institutions. But see, that same retirement system in Oregon, like I said, covers the police and it covers the firemen. And they all get their panties in a wad when they get told, well, you're not going to get the same return on your money. Because there's no money to pay. So they get upset and they make the make the legislature guarantee that they will be paid that amount of money. And they take them to court so that they can guarantee that they can continue debasing and screwing up children and getting paid well for it. And with that, the public is essentially mute. There's nothing said. People just kind of shake their head. Parents are like, well, I guess can't do anything about that. It's just my kids that I have to cast off to these pedophiles, but that's okay. I These kids, I don't have a choice. I have to go to public school because that's what's, what's what we have. So I'll, I'll send them to public school even though it's not perfect. No, it's far from perfect. And our children are the victims of it. And they're going to carry that legacy on. And if they've been groomed well when they're young, they'll groom when they're adults. Because good groomers ensure that their legacy will continue. And as a public, we sit by and we scratch our head and we go, I don't quite understand where all these people that are believing in socialism and LGBTQ and all this progressive lifestyle are coming from where is it happening why is it why isn't there more god around i don't know 
maybe because as a public we've been quiet as they kicked it out of the schools, as they kicked it out of government, as they kicked it out of the courtrooms, as they kicked it out of the corporate boardrooms, as they've kicked it out of our life every which way. And as parents have willfully, willfully taken their kids and stuck them into these indoctrination camps and then scratched their heads when their child comes home and says, I'm now a girl. Yeah, but Johnny, you were a boy. No, don't call me Johnny anymore. I'm Teresa. And the parents now talk. It's like, I don't know what to do. My child is starting to go through transgenderism. Any parent that's going through that can begin by looking in the mirror. Because if you put your child in the hands of groomers and pedophiles and you expect a different result, you're about as dumb as anybody I've ever met. As a country, we need to establish a foundation of righteousness. It's not something that is an option if we're going to survive. I want you to listen to these few seconds of a scene from Gladiator. It's one of his great comments. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And there you go. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And those, you know, when you're, the thing that I love about that scene, and I love the scene actually all the way through Gladiator, as a film is because in the warrior culture and this it represents a true warrior culture in the raw and in the warrior culture you understand when you're working in that collective environment you understand the idea of consequence because actions have immediate consequence Actions get people killed. Actions get yourself blown up. Actions keep you alive, depending on how you sort them out. And it's a very real consequence to what you do. And that's one of the big things that separates those that have been in war to those that have just lived at home to a large degree, not completely, but to a large degree. Because there's so much lack of of accountability in our world. You know, we've talked about this storm over the weekend. People so upset about not having flights. 3,000 canceled by Southwest yesterday. A bunch, Several thousand canceled over the weekend. I guess more canceled today. People upset. People stranded. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's just like, did you ever think through your flight? Did you ever think through the consequences, the first order, which is the immediate effect, the second order, which is the secondary consequences of your action, the third order, which is your third order of effect. These are, in a warrior culture, you're thinking through first, second, third, and sometimes fourth order effects of every single thing you do. And it is a constant perpetual mindset. And as a culture, and again, this is not directed at anybody. This is directed as a culture. We don't even have a collective understanding of what's tomorrow, let alone three weeks from now, the consequences of what you do, how it affects somebody else down the way. We don't even think that way. So when we get back to the very fundamental issue of righteousness and we can't think past our nose, it's going to be a little difficult to reset righteousness in this nation. It can be done. 
And part of resetting righteousness is starting to own where we are as a nation. And there's two ends of the spectrum. We talk about kids and kids become visceral for us because they're innocent and there is a collective zombieism that has affected this nation where we're just continuing to plug them into schools as if public schools are going to give them a good education. And then there's this collective scratching of our heads going, why are they becoming so, why is there so much transgenderism rising up? And I don't know why that should shock anybody. And then we have the other side of this, which is the elderly, which we don't talk enough about. But that's, that's the worst one for me. Children still have hope of correcting this if we can get parents to start being parents again. And I'm saying these in general terms again, but if you're sending your child to public school, you're performing a crime, in my opinion, to the stewardship God gave you to your child. And I'm not going to change that position. If that offends you, good. Maybe you'll think twice about sending your child into a death camp or a groomer's camp. There's nothing positive about public education. And any teachers now that are left in that institution, they're a criminal class as far as I'm concerned. On the other end of the spectrum, and by the way, I don't want to hear, I hear this, I'll get these emails, it'll be like, yeah, but I love teaching. Well, good, get out of the public school system and teach under the righteousness of God and find a private school or homeschooling system you can be part of. Be smart. Then we have the other end of the spectrum, which is the elderly. And this one is probably the worst of the two because we have institutionalized the outsourcing and casting out of our elderly. You know, there's ancient old cultures. When I say ancient cultures, they really are ancient, but they're still around. So ancient cultures that had a, a way, it was an accepted process in their culture to survive that at a certain age, the elderly would agree to wander off into the woods and die naturally. Letting nature take their lives, walking in, dying, living off the land and slowly dying, I guess. It was a normal practice. And it came at a certain time and the elderly person would say, it's my time, and then they would go on their way. Probably get eaten by a, a lion or maybe swallowed by an anaconda or something. Which I don't think would be a very nice death, but nonetheless. We've done... We've far exceeded that. It's so unbelievable how we've done this now. We start when we're in our midlife and we're like, okay, I got a plan for my retirement and then I need to make sure I have money set aside for a retirement home. And then if I have to have a elder or uh, like a memory care home, we're just accepting that there's going to be no one around to take care of us and that we are just a burden on society. We've done this brilliantly. The whole programming of this is stunning. And especially since this all started in about 1988, when it started to be institutionalized where? In the university system to teach people how to take care of elderly and get them on their way and out the door and steal all their money on the way out, by the way. Make sure you do that. So estate planning has become a huge business and it helped Wall Street in as well because now people have to invest more, take greater risk. And the estate planners, you have to make sure that you have a lot less money in your life so you can make sure you've got that extra little bit of money so that you can afford that $8,000 a month 
retirement home when you get out there. And then it could get up as high as $15,000 a month if you're in a memory care facility, depending on where you are, especially if you're in Southern California. I mean, look out. You got to have great care and all the way to the end of your days. But there's no responsibility for the children. That's quite an amazing thing. Children can brush their hands off. it. They're like, ah, it's okay. Mom and dad, they're done. They took care of themselves. And that's the best part about that whole game is children don't have to feel any guilt. Well, mom and dad made the decision. Well, they made the decision because they know you're not going to be there. (laughs) And we just accept this whole thing. And I just look at the lunacy of this and I'm like, okay, as a society, how do we ever expect to restore ourselves to anything when we can't protect the children and we can't protect the elderly and both ends are being cast off. One's being put into the meat grinder and one's being put on the, well, I guess they're both being put in a meat grinder. One's being put on a meat grinder to form them to be adults and one's being put on a meat grinder to chop up their organs when they're done and to recycle them if they can. Otherwise, they're out there to be fish food or worm food. But we don't have to worry about that. And then you look at our lives and it's like, okay, we got to have a set of parents, hopefully, that we expect and we're born, they're going to take care of us. They're going to get everything for us as we grow up. And if I want that brand new Mustang when I'm 16 years old, daddy better get it for me. And if I'm going to travel, I better happen. And if my parents don't provide that for me, then I didn't get a good education. And then I better be able to go to school. And if I'm a, if I'm with really good parents, they're going to pay for the most expensive schools. If I'm not with good parents, they're going to make me get student loans and I'm going to have to pay them back my doggone parents. And then once we move out the house and it's like, okay, I don't ever want to go back to mom and dad again. Oh, Jiminy Crickets. Oh, mom and dad are coming to visit. Oh, okay. Well, at least we only have them for Christmas. Oh, they want to come this year for Easter. Okay. All right, honey. We got mom and dad coming twice a year this year. Okay. We'll get through it. And our lives become isolated. FaceTime's made it a little easier because we can just touch base with them. In the meantime, we're going to stick the kids into the new meat grinder right out of Pink Floyd the Wall. And the kids get indoctrinated, and then we have to, then as parents, this is the next best, this is the next step. Uh, Mom, Dad, yeah, we're on a FaceTime call. Mom, Dad, yeah, I need to tell you that you can't, you can't use Johnny anymore. What do you mean? That's what you gave him at birth. I know. But he, he's now identified as a woman. He wants to be called Jenny. Okay. Yeah, so, and make sure you use his proper pronouns because we don't want to make him upset. He's just, she, I'm sorry, she, she upset. Still, I'm still having a hard time getting used to Johnny being a Jenny, but but let's work together. And then when we get together at Christmas, um, I think things will be a little better. You'll get a chance to share Jenny on the FaceTime. This is the lunacy of where we are as a culture. So as a society, we're going to have to have righteousness to exist because righteousness is going to give you those values, that place to stand within God. And we we talk about this, but as a collective nation, man, we just achieved a massive F and the pulpits aren't pushing this. And again, like I always say, those are broad statements. There's always good pulpits out here. I'm not dissing every church, but I am telling you, there's way too little attack on this transgender crap. Way too little. I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Boy Scouts, but that was a nice little sleight of hand. 
is a lot of the Boy Scouts were using churches as their place to get together once a week. I was very happy to be, when this came up as an issue, I was down at Valley Grove, down in Thomaston, Georgia, when this issue came up, and we had a meeting, and I made myself clear along with a few others, those Boy Scouts will not be in this church ever again, if it's my way, because once they accepted transgenders and gays and all this other garbage in their Boy Scouts of America, all they were doing is they were getting a foothold into churches so they could bring that demonic crap into the temple of, into the holy space. They needed to go, and they were. They were kicked out of the church. But we have to have a righteousness to be able to say that's not a place we're going to go. We don't send Johnny over to become part of the Boy Scouts of America so that Johnny can be exposed to other ideas. And then maybe Johnny will find an interest in Billy. And then they'll decide that together they're going to be cis or they're going to be transgender. And they're going to come back after summer camp and go, I'm gay. And and my buddy Johnny's now going to be Jenny. That's on parents as much as anything. And that's where there has to be a firm line. And so much of this comes from our dependence on the system. Again, what we do in our time here reflects in eternity. And if we aren't going to be holding the line and speaking the truth and saying no to things and being vocal about it. Really good friend of mine. I've mentioned this before. He's, he's like a brother, truly a real brother to me. And, and he and I share that we were in Afghanistan together. And I mean, we, his comment was just so insightful and I've repeated it a number of times. He's like the most dangerous people in America are not the progressive left. They are the collective soccer moms who all want to be in the latest trend and all want to be part of a collective groupthink and all want to be leading in the new fashion statement. Well, I got news for you. Trans is a new fashion statement. It's cool, apparently, to have your kid be bisexual or to have your kid be, I don't know all the names, gender screwed up would be the right title. And again, it's the same class of people that it's like mom and dad are a burden. So the real question I'm asking is here is, as we're walking in Jesus and we're, we're saying to ourselves, we're walking in Jesus. And I'm just challenging everybody to reflect on this. I'm not, there's no judgment here. But these are some hard reflections we have to make because individually we have to make them and as a nation we have to make them. And we only get to the nation as if individuals do it themselves. I mean, obviously we have to live in a place where we are reborn in Christ. But as we do that, are we looking honestly at our world? Are we taking the responsibility to nurture, not to nurture our parents and to be protecting and nurturing our children? Because as we were children with parents, our parents need someone to nurture them in some cycle. This is the part that always blows me away. We've just, I, I just keep running it through my head of how we've gotten so lost. And it's such a me culture thing. 
I, the child, have the parents that take care of me. And then later, I, the child, become the adults that will kick my parents off to the retirement home. But I don't have to do that because they've decided to do it, but I don't want to do it anyway. So it works out perfectly. We all agree that they don't want to be near me and I don't want to be near them. And my children, whoo, finally, they're out the door. What is our life then? And these are real conversations I've had with people. And this isn't just like a small thing. I wish it was. I wish it was just like I ran into the craziest story ever. And it would go like, you know, the craziest. You wouldn't believe this story, Patriots, what I ran into today. I ran into somebody who actually thinks it's okay to put their kids in a school where we know, in a public school where we know the teachers are groomers. They actually did it. This is unbelievable. Can you believe this? And they actually were excited when their kids got 18 years old and they kicked them out the door and they had their life all to themselves. And even crazier, Patriots, is this idea that their parents who were getting old, they were excited about the fact that their parents were going to be cast off into a nursing home or a retirement home, and they wouldn't have to see them but maybe once or twice a year. It was, And they're thrilled about this. I wish that was the story that way. But it's not. This story we are talking about is the collective insanity and derangement of an entire culture that has walked away from Father God, has no true relationship in Jesus, says it does, but it's garbage, it doesn't, and does not walk with the Holy Spirit. And in the process, the one structure that God gave us, which is the family and the extended family, we just pooped all over that one, shattered it all to pieces. And then as the deep state has done their collective thing of trying to destroy it anyway, we've just rolled with the punches. We're not fighting back. Divorce rates are off the charts. And the one I love, the worst divorce rates and suicide rates are naturally in the trans community. And of course, the answer to that is, you all are not being nice to us. You're not recognizing us and identifying us enough as trans. Us freaks as trans, as we are filled with Satan and all of his evils, we need to be recognized as equals. No, you don't. Not a damn one of them does. Now, this is a story that came up on 4chan, and you may have seen it. And I'm, I'm going to recount it. I, I think this is outstanding parenting. And I'm going to recount it the best I can remember. But it is it was an outstanding example of parenting. Apparently a true story. So a young girl came home from school and came to her parents and sat with her dad and said, I just need to let you know I'm, I'm trans. And, and the dad's response was, well, good, so am I. And the girl says, that's not funny. I'm now identifying as a, as a boy. And the dad says, well, that's even better because I'm identifying as a woman. And she says, that's not even funny. You're, not being, you're being very hypocritical. And the father says, well, I think you're being hypocritical for not recognizing me. So <laughs> the next day, the dad gets ready to take the, the, the girl that is now saying she's a boy. He's going to take her to school, and he's dressed up completely in a woman's dress with obnoxious makeup and, and lipstick and glitter on his face. And he says, let's go to school. And the girl says, you can't take me like that. And he says, yeah, I'm going to take you like that. Get in the car. Let's go. You can't be a hypocrite. And you can't be a fascist if you're not going to recognize me. So get in the car. You're a boy. I'm a girl. I'm a woman. 
And so the, the young girl says, well, you need to drop me off away from school. He says, not a chance. I'm going in to introduce myself to everybody. So he went into the school with her and walked in as this obnoxious, <laughs> sparkly dressed, horribly dressed woman. The story says that the wife was laughing, thought it was hilarious, and the girl was completely offended. And the father was in there and walked into the school, made sure all of her friends saw her dad as trans. And he left. By the next day, she was begging him to stop and had given up on the trans thing. Which I think is outstanding. I mean, this is literally like taking it on right on the head. Congrats. Whoever that parent is that did that, man, just God bless you. It was awesome. Fearless. Fearless and righteous. It's like, you want to play this game in my house? I'm going to show you what it's like, and I'm going to embarrass you in front of all your friends. And that's the sort of attack that has to be made to break this cult brainwashing. But we equally, that's, it's, it's a form of shaming and it's a form of humor. And neither one of those should be taken off your playbook because that's an absolute necessity. So he saved his daughter. But now, you know, we get to this other end. And I don't know if you've seen this J&B whiskey commercial. This J&B whiskey commercial, the grandfather in this commercial goes into the bathroom and takes out his, but some lipstick and starts dressing as a woman. What that has to do with J&B whiskey, I have not a clue, other than the fact that I don't drink whiskey, but any bottle I can find, I will put on the gun range and I will shoot because it's a worthless bottle of anything at this point. The point that we are getting at here is they're trying to take advantage of something very critical and it's our lack of willingness and they're, they're doing it brilliantly. We as a people have retracted from our responsibility of righteousness and we're not taking that responsibility and righteousness to understand that what we do now that we last in eternity, we're just walking along here just like, oh, I just got to get through this. That is not what God put us here for. He didn't put us here in a place just to endure the righteousness is the fire which we stand and we stand boldly in the face of this evil. And this is evil. And it begins in our own households. We have to reclaim the, the absolute islands, these foundations of nurturing and taking care of your children and taking care of our parents. It is a full cycle deal. We don't get a choice. You don't get to opt out. You don't, have, you don't get a choice between the bronze package and the gold package. It's one complete arc of life. And let me add some other dimension to this, to how screwed up this is. There are elderly out here that don't have family. And so instead of a society stepping up and saying, let's come together, once again, we cast them off. And, and these people just die alone. There's somebody I knew whose grandmother had lupus. This person lived both her and her brother lived across the way and the grandkids, when I say across the way in Florida and in, in DC and the grandkids lived, some of the grandkids actually lived around where this woman was in a nursing home, but the, the her immediate son and the immediate daughter were on the other side of the country. She had lupus. She was stuck into a nursing home. 
She got one visit a year for a few hours every year with her son because he was busy. We cannot allow this tragedy to continue, and it's going to be up to us to make the changes and to live the path that we say. If we're going to walk with Jesus, and we're going to proclaim that in our life, then we have to start taking the collective responsibility of what it is to walk that way. You don't get a little part of the deal. It's like saying, well, I want to walk with Jesus, but I don't want to repent. Well, that's a Donald Trump trick. It doesn't work. Okay. We have to be able to accept that what comes our way, we have to, Our one of our critical roles is protecting and nurturing the innocent and protecting those that don't have a voice. That's, that's both ends of our spectrum. And that's the core of our righteousness in this nation that we just don't have right now. And it's also showing cracks in the weakness in our faith. Because unfortunately, there's so much of this that is collectively, we're just at a point where the concept of me has overcome this world in such a profound way that if we don't step back from it and begin to really embrace what's put before us, We are not going to succeed well as a nation. We just won't. What we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do what we do in life echoes in eternity. And that's the truth. So we need to make the most of it. And there's a lot of rights, a lot of wrongs to be righted. And there's a lot of things that we can do in our immediate family to make a difference. Now, there's some areas in families, like I've seen these stories, children have walked away from parents. There's a, there's a lot of pain out here right now, and I get it. But we have to do everything we can to protect that family. And it is a tough world. It's an evil world. And this evil world wants the kids, and it's pleasurely consuming the adults, the grandparents, the wisdom class. And we're sitting here in the middle. And if you really just look at that, you cut off, you take the parent that's eager to get their kids out the door. It's always the same thing. It's like, it's like when you have a puppy. People say, I love the puppy, then it got to be a dog. I love the kitten, then it got to be a cat. I love the kids when they're young, and then they go through this phase, and they start to like, oh, they're teens. I can't wait till we get them out of the house. I wish that was a rare statement. It's not. And then they, they're they like, oh, i got to reset my life now. So now it's my own life. I'm going to actually do something with my life now because I had took all this time having kids. What was the point then? And I'm not accusing anybody of doing this. I'm just telling you, these are real statements, real, real discussions. And I wish they were rare. The challenge is what we influence, we influence by the way we live. And as we live in that true walk in the body of Christ, we will be able to influence others. But we have to adjust our households. 
We have to make the changes. And we have to start living the truth of this walk that's before us. Life's not easy. You know, the other day, I'm going to close with this. My mom was talking to one of her friends who was having to make a decision to go into a retirement home. And these are longtime friends. And the person said to my mom, so are you and Lloyd going, are you and Lloyd planning on a retirement home? And my mom said, no, we don't have to. Our son is going to take care of us. And the response was, you are so lucky. I wish we could have had the same. I'm not pedestalizing what I'm doing. I'm telling you, we have to do this. If we don't start taking responsibility for our parents and start protecting the children, stop praying for hope for this nation because it ain't going to come. If we don't take care of and nurture and protect our children and don't do the same for adults, we don't have a nation. We have a gladiator's ring. Let's pray. Father, challenging time in our nation as we reflect very deeply on the cycles and the things that we've done and the acceptances, the acceptance of things that we do now of casting away our parents and not protecting our children. And it's really beyond an understanding of how we got here other than the fact that we are now here. This weakness of heart that's come about, this obsession with self that seems to be everywhere, this idea that we're somehow inconvenienced by standing up and speaking truth or fearful of speaking truth or don't find it important. We're not taking the responsibility to nurture those that nurtured us, and we're not even doing well in the nurturing of those that need nurturing. Completely shaken and turned on its head into a chaotic mess. And we can passively walk by in our days and we pretend it's not there and we kind of brush it aside and we go through our lives and so many in this nation proclaim that they have a relationship with Jesus and yet the family is dismal. So Father, we're praying for the revival of of the understanding, the wisdom of having a family, the importance of the responsibility of extended family, the importance of protecting and nurturing both the youth and the elderly. To see a spark come back into this nation where the value of family exceeds everything. The idea that fathers, men can get women pregnant and, and walk off like it's no big deal, like it's the woman's problem. They need a basking in the lake of fire. Women who find it pleasurable to have sex and then use abortion as a method of birth control, they need a basking in the lake of fire. And then we just have those in the middle that have the kids and they just endure them and they have the the parents and they cast them off. That's just as dark. We are praying tonight, Father, for the love, the excitement, the power, the glory of the family to come back into our hearts and once again spark an excitement and enthusiasm to get us back to a place where we're invigorated 
We're excited about being around the wisdom of the parents, even if it's difficult to work out those problems and to enjoy them in their last days, as much as we enjoy the nurturing of children and to see the collective family stay together as much as possible. We pray for this as a nation. We pray for this as a people. We pray for your blessings upon this and the wisdom to pour down upon this and for the love of Jesus to to fill people's hearts finally, to break down these barriers and to really start seeing what our responsibility is as parents. And the best thing, Father, is in this community you've brought together, there are amazing examples. So we just pray that those examples can rise up and become the light for the many to inspire others as well. We thank you for all you give. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. And I don't want to miss that point because there are amazing parents in this group. And this whole talk tonight was not directed at anybody. I need to qualify that very clearly. If it made you uncomfortable, then reflect on it. Ask why. But I'm pretty staunch on this. We're all imperfect. We've all made mistakes. But as a direction we have to start advocating for, This is where we need to be focused if we're going to restore this nation. The nation's not going to get back on its feet if we can't rebuild the family and the value of what each phase of that family means. It sickens me on one level to see the collective disregard or lack of massive response against the abuse and the trafficking of kids the exploitation of children. That is so wrong. It's so off the scales. And the fact that we don't have a million people, 10 million people with pitchforks in the front of every school stuns me. And then, like I said, that last one in the most, the sad one, the sad one, the one of the elderly, that they spend their lifetime. And if they're lucky, they have a partner at the end. And if not, they don't. And they live alone And there's so many that are cast off to these homes. It just shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we really are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Let that sink in. God put us here for a reason. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you, and out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body. Oh, I wanna open
Just to feel 